to follow along, or I really, I want you to remember where I read this from. And I'm reading this because God has led me in this direction, and I will, because I have this great, great honor and luxury of looking around the room, I will, I'm going to use it today some. But I'm going to tell those of you that are here and those listening that Jesus is about to return. I don't care if you've heard it your whole life. I've heard it my whole life. But I've never seen things escalate the way that they have escalated in the past, well, six months, but really in the past two to three months. And the Bible gives us so many clear instructions on what it's going to look like. And he spends a lot of time, the Lord does, on telling us the condition of the church as well as the pulpit. And so, God has been dealing with me. I said it at 9.15. That God has really been cleaning my, purging my soul over the past two to three months. When we do meet again, it will not be the same in here. And their thing, it's just church all over again. And what I'm about to read to you is something that I want you to understand, those of you here and you watching, I want you to understand this is what's laid at my feet and every man and woman of God. This is what's laid before us. And I can get caught up in all of the catchy phrases that are flying out of the mouths of preachers that mean well. But I realize when God led me to Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3 this week, he showed me a, a picture in my mind that I, I couldn't help but just follow through with what he told me to do. And before revealing these two chapters to me, God gave me a vision of a bed, and it was like this bed, when you look at the bed, it was nice and fluffy, as if you were fluffing a pillow. And he said, this is what pastors are doing right now. He said, they're making it real comfortable and nice and where it's very appealing. And then he backed out. It's like God zoomed out of what he was showing me. He said, but son, it is not really a bed. It's really a coffin, and it's got death written all over it. And he said, you do not need to be tempted. You don't need to be distracted by what's going on in this world with what very well-known, well-meaning pastors have fallen into. You want names, but I'm not going to give you names. You just need to not get distracted yourself. And he said, you don't need to fall into the temptation. And then he took me to these two chapters that, mind you, I did not look for. 
And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and he set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Listen to this. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Now, that's a bad group of people right there. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks. You know, people's got looks. They, them sighs, them roll their eyes. They got looks. Though they are a rebellious house. Verse 7, you shall speak my words to them. Whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were, listen, this was the message. Written on it were lamentations and mournings and woe. Hadn't heard a lot of that kind of preaching lately, have we? Moreover, Verse 1 of chapter 3, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he calls me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate. And it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because... They will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their forehead, like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all words, all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. And go, get to the captives. See, that's what they are. They're rebellious, but they don't realize they're captives to the children of your people. And speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Then the Spirit lifted me up. I love that. 
when God tells you a word like that to tell people, friend, you better believe this preacher. You need for the Spirit to lift you up. And I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. And that's what this pastor is holding out for. That's what I'm preaching for. That's what I'm fasting and praying for. That's what I'm seeking God for. I am tired of dead, dried up, predictable religion and preachers that just want to be in People magazine. I'm ready to hear the thunderous voice and noise of Almighty God. And it comes a hard way through language. Lamentations, mornings, and woes to a people that is hard-hearted and rebellious and to a people that doesn't realize they're captured. They're captives of devils. And the Bible says, so the Spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. See, you got to bring your flesh in to check to do God's will. Then I came before the captives at Tel Aviv who dwelt by the river Chabar and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman. How many times have I referred to that over the past three or four weeks? For the house of Israel... Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you've delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because he did not give warning. You did not give warning to him. He shall die in his sins, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. Whoa, stop right there, folks. We need to do a little bit of camp work right here. A lot of people don't believe that. I'm telling you, you just read it, you just heard it, I just said it. You can do a lot of things. Paul said you can give your body to be burned. You can sell everything, you can feed the poor, you can clothe them, you can do all these socially accepted things people do and are doing. Nothing wrong with it. But you've got to understand this. You're dealing with a holy God who gave a holy son for your sin and for my sin. Left a heaven he didn't have to leave. And it's no lighter in 2020 during COVID or any other movement or thing going on than it was 2,000 years ago when he was nailed on a cross. So, I need to tell you this straight from the Word of God. Again, when a righteous man, verse 20, turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity. Are you hearing me? Are y'all the dozen that's here? Are you hearing me? When a righteous man commits iniquity 
He turns from his righteousness. And I lay a stumbling block before him. He shall die. Because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sins and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. I cannot say it myself any clearer than that. But his blood I will require at your hands. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man, and the righteous man should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there. And he said to me, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I arose and went out into the plain, and behold, here it is again, folks, the glory of the Lord stood there. I'm tired of the glory of the Lord standing somewhere else. Standing somewhere in the shadow, you will find Jesus, you see, the song says. The shadow is out of the limelight of what the world and even the new Christian church is striving for. You don't believe me? Look on social media. It looks like who's going to make the GQ cover among pastors now? And I'm not preaching that everybody's bad and I'm good and I know it all. I don't. But I'm telling you, that there is a cry going out from all of heaven that the Spirit of God is giving to men to preach the gospel and to warn people and not get caught up in politically correct movements that are not of God, you see. You don't have to tell people, and I'm not getting into it this week because it don't deserve the pulpit. But I will say this before I finish. You don't have to tell people to love the people of another race, of another uh, continent, of another origin. You don't have to tell a born again child of God that. They're dead to that way of thinking. They're dead to that flesh. They give that up when they embrace Calvary. You don't have to waste your time pumping up Church people, pastor, and try to get everybody all comfy with the pillow. It's a deathbed. People need warning right now. They need to know you are a watchman. And I know preachers are not going to hear me. But maybe somebody somewhere will, and you'll understand. This is critical right now that we hear what thus saith the Lord instead of thus saith Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and every TV network. I'm not trying to get the world to like me. He said, if you love me, they're going to hate you. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. Well, you'll run people off. No, you won't. There are hungry people somewhere that's tried that dead mess and it's not getting them 
out of vines and sit you. Their marriage still is about to go down. Their children are still acting like hellions. They are still trying to lie their way out of everything. They don't care about God, His Word, and they profess to be Christians. And I just told you, your righteousness will not be remembered. And that ought to bother people. You ought to understand, and I'm going to tell you what it is. Men of God or that have that title do not, or Christians, do not have a strong conviction of the signs of the times. They will refer to it in messages. They will tweet it. They will talk about it. But it's in their delivery of the Word of God. It does not reflect that. And I'm telling those of you here, if you are not saved and looking for Jesus, I'm not telling you you're going to go to hell, but you will probably not make it in on this first trip that's about to leave here. And I love you enough, but I love him more to tell you what he's saying to the church right now. It's comfortable, it looks good, it feels good, but it's a deathbed. And I ain't even in the message yet, y'all. But this is what I want you to think about every time I preach every week. This is what's been handed to me. This is what I have been given to say. So after the glory of the Lord, verse 22, then the hand of the Lord was there with me and he said, Rise, go out into the plain and there I shall talk with you. And so I rose and went out and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there like the glory which I saw by the river Shabar and I fell on my face. See, a, a real man of God, a real man of God that wants to only preach what he may get lamb blasted by his own people will understand, I don't care, I still have got to be humble and completely submissive to God, and he will fall on his face. Can't find people doing that now. They're not in the shadow looking for the Lord. They're in the light looking for the applause and acceptance of the world right now. And you, son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them, and you cannot go out among them. Then the Spirit of the Lord gets very, very blunt with him in these last two scriptures. He said, and I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth, meaning you're not going to talk till I get ready for you to talk, so that you shall be mute and not uh, be one to rebuke them. So after you say it, you're not going to be able to say it, because they're rebellious people. He said, but there's going to come a time, verse 27, when I speak with you, I will, I, I will open your mouth. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, that he's opened my mouth today, and I'm not afraid to say what he says. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who has ears? I'm going to ask you, do you have ears? Do you folks have ears? Do you have ears? Or do you just have a mind that's processing all this? And you got a lot of flesh that's determining whether you agree or you're mad. You don't even know if you're going to come back to multitudes if you're watching and you're from multitudes. I'm telling you, it's not a cakewalk right now. A lot of people are still thinking it's going to be business as usual. Forget it. 
It's gone, folks. It's over with. And if you just want to wait it out to see if I'm telling you the truth, well, you go ahead. I'm not telling you what I'm going to tell you today. Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse. They are rebellious people. Now, I wanted to read that to you before we get into the Word today. How about that? Because I want you to understand, this is real, folks. This is real. People are going to hell. And I am tormented by that every day of my life. I can't play games. You can think I'm losing it. You can label me. You can put me in ropes. I don't care anymore. I don't care. I don't care. I do not care. I'm tired of in my mind thinking that I'm not persuaded by the opinions of people, but it comes out sometimes. So I'll tell you again. When we have church, and you need to know this, because I want you to have four warning of this. This is the most holy place, this sanctuary. We have a foyer, bathrooms, other rooms, but this place right here, this is where I want to stand in a shadow over here somewhere or across it. I want to see the glory of God again. I want to see God even while I'm preaching and the Spirit move in your life and do a dynamic work that you've never imagined. I want to see that happen. And I'm not looking for a sign for any earthly reason. I want to see people get off of drugs. I want to see homosexuals set free. I want to see those that entertain adulterous thoughts all the time set free. Those that are bound to money and materialism. I want all those people to be set free. Those people that think that God cannot heal. I want you to know He's still real. So telling you all of that, every time the priest went into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, there was no light there because the glory of God was the light. But there were steps and processes, and we had a whole series on the tabernacle here a year or two ago, and you remember this. But there were steps and sequences and patterns to get there. You could still stay in the outer court. And be there at the temple. People do it every week in regular church. But never having experienced the glory of God. And I know that's available. And that's what this world is not seeing right now. And big buildings, big names, big everything is not necessarily the manifestation that God wants to give. And that's it. So I didn't say nothing wrong with crowds. But I'm telling you this, when you come into this church from now on, and I've pre- God has prepared me for this, and I'm still about to preach. But when you come in, I understand, having been in prayer and fasting, that we're not doing church like this. I told the praise team this morning, if we only have one song that's anointed, we're going to sing that song every week, and that's it. We're not just trying to fill a set list. To fill a set list, 
We're not trying to find certain types of song. We are after the worship of a holy God that is about to return to call his bride away. We are getting in worship mode. We are getting in celebration mode. We, we are getting in glory mode for God. So, and Derek, I don't care if you put this up on the screen. So when you come into this church at 1030 or prior to that, you're going to have to make it your mind up whether or not. I referred briefly Wednesday night. You've got to understand, after much prayer and leading from the Lord, everyone inside the sanctuary, that's where I am with these chairs, not the foyer, or classrooms, or bathrooms, or meeting rooms. But everyone inside the sanctuary during praise and worship must be actively engaged during worship. This means no sitting, or talking, or still drinking coffee, or any of that other mess, until you are, unless you are physically unable to stand. There is a monitor in the foyer if this makes you uncomfortable, or you get here late, and you're worried about what people will think and all that other stuff, there is a monitor in the foyer that you will be able to watch. If that's all you want to do is watch and not be a part of what God is wanting at that moment, there is a foyer and there's no stigmatism to go with it. And then about 1030, right before we go live singing, there will be one reminder on the screen that says, everyone, you need to stand up. It's time to honor God. Now, I want you to listen to me. I spent a lot of time talking, but I realize you can't fix what's going on in our world and in the church. And I need to tell you, I'm not fussing at our church. I'm warning anybody with ears, and that includes me. Do you know how much I've had to fight God this week, or my flesh, rather, over fasting. I don't feel like fasting. I don't want to fast. I'm a fat boy. I like to eat. I like milkshakes. I like to drink stuff. I had a headache the other day and drank half of a two-liter Mountain Dew. And I don't drink Mountain Dew. But it was Jerry Clower, and you got to shoot up here. One of us has got to have relief because I'm not productive when sinus demons are on me. And God said this. You need to break away. And he pulled me to a short fast. And I didn't want to do a short fast. But I realized this is not an easy road here. It's a narrow road. It's not a broad road, folks. It's not a comfortable bed. It's a casket in disguise if you are not on God's road. And so I'm prepared that that's not going to work for people. And I have failed as a leader because I have trained people to come in here in observation mode. And I don't know if it's because we do cute skits and it's like a dinner theater or a, a drama theater and there's nothing wrong with the way we do ministry here. But I've got to see the glory of God. There's people that have cancer, okay? There's people that have Severe heart disease, back disease, blood disease, have critical rebellious disease in their family. And they need breakthrough. And we've got to worship God in spirit and in truth if we're going to see this. Now, I would like to go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 
And hadn't you already read two chapters? I sure have. If you're watching a, a movie that lasts an hour and 45 minutes, has anybody ever come in there and said, all right, let's go. Hadn't you, watched, hadn't you done watched 50 minutes of this movie? Let's go. That's foolish, isn't it, for me to even say that. That's foolish, but that's the mentality. Hadn't you already read? No, no. It's not over with yet. And so I want you to follow along because when God dealt with me about this, you know, you, you have mixed emotions because you start worrying about people. But God says, listen, you preach it, you live it, you do it, because you're about out of time, son. Are you going to hear about it somewhere else? And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah. In the heavens by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. Please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went on down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to meet Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Shh. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came out to meet Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elisha said to him, stay here, please. See, he's ready to go home. I'm ready to go home, folks. For the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood facing them at a distance. While the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now, Elisha took his mantle and rolled it up. And when he rolled it up, he took it and he struck the water, the Bible says, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do? For you before I am taken away from you. See, Elisha got to where he wanted to get to. Please, he said, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, Elijah said to Elisha, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. 
Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that way, and Elisha crossed over. Listen to verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. I want to go back to one thing, and I am going to be brief here. Believe it or not, I think. He said, this is a hard thing that you ask. And I want to tell folks, it was a hard thing, not on God's part. It was not hard on God doing this. We're talking about the God that spoke light into existence. The God that formed man from dust and breathed into his nostrils. It wasn't a hard thing for God. But Elijah, Elijah knew that it was a hard thing because you are going to have to stay focused. That word keeps coming up. You are going to have to stay very deliberate and diligent in keeping your eyes only on me. You are going to have to stay so in tune and so hungry for this double portion that you can't do anything else. You can't even let a, a wild animal bark or uh, do anything, make a noise, or even an outside noise from another chariot or anything else. You can't let anything distract you because this is a one-time chance for you to get the double portion spirit that you want. And if you do what? I'm being led to tell you to do right now, it'll be yours, and if you don't, it won't be yours. And can I tell you hundreds of years later, thousands, that same scene played out when God told a group of people, 5,008, 500 saw Jesus at one time. And Jesus said, listen, I'm going away. And it's expedient for you that I go away because God is pouring His Spirit out, church, one more time somewhere on this planet before the trumpet sounds. And He told those people then, He said, listen, I'm going away and it's to your advantage. You all know this. He said, it's expedient. It's urgent that I go away because you're going to get the Spirit. But you've got to do this. You've got to go into an upper room and you've got to tarry. You can't get sidetracked. You can't worry about losing your job. You can't worry about if your animals. You can't even worry about if your tomatoes get watered. You, you can't worry about nothing right now. You can't even worry about what the hellish news networks say. I've used that word twice today. There must be a reason for that. There's a lot of hell on this earth. You hear me? 
You can't get sidetracked with anything. You go to that upper room and you tarry. And I am telling every person that's breathing right now, God is calling his people back to holiness. He's calling us to tarry so that he can pour his spirit out and show you great and mighty things one more time that you know not of. But you got to understand, folks, it's a hard thing because you got stuff to do. You got important things to do. You think that the world's going to be better. It's a bad hurricane or snowstorm. They're going to clean up all the debris, and we're going to go right back to where we were. And I'm so, so sorry. This is mourning and woes and lamentations. It's going to be bad. It's going to get worse because the devil knows that the scene has to be set perfectly in order. Lies have to be told. People's minds have to be distracted because it's God to be right for the his antichrist to step onto the scene so he's going to use the government he's going to use people that don't want to preach the whole undivided truth of God and pulpits he's going to manipulate everything he's going to come in between homes and families and jobs and congregations because he knows that it's almost over with and he's got to have the stage set and so the preachers have got to preach you've got to tell people listen you got to need a double portion you've got to need the Holy Ghost not just a double portion but an infilling of the complete package God had at Calvary and at Pentecost so that you will be able to be the difference makers in these last days and not people that just are being led astray and being sent to a casket that's what God is doing folks We've got to be ready, and we've got to understand that this hard thing is hard. You've got to do what your body don't want to do. You've got to pray when you don't want to pray. You've got to get tired of TV that's sucking the life out of you, but it has no eternal value. And you've got to turn it off, and you've got to start filling your things with the mind of God. If you are hung up on things in this world, whether it's people or money or places or time, you've got to realize that in his own way to try to justify it, it is nothing more than an elaborate trick because Satan can't keep you out of church. He can't keep you from saying you're a Christian. So he has to go one more step. And he's doing that at an alarming rate. And I get most of my indication from the church more than I do the world. So we've got to do this. We've got to understand that Elisha knew, and this is back where we are. Elisha knew that this right here, hard thing, this double portion thing is not an impossible thing. Elisha knew. It's, that's why he went from Jericho, from Bethel to Jordan, wherever that Elijah went. Elisha said, I ain't leaving you. You can tell me to stay, but I ain't going because I know what's at stake. See, a lot of people get up and they leave church and they don't finish praying at home in the morning or finish their devotion, but they watch all the news. They watch all the talk show, and all of it's from hell. All of it. God's not in it. I don't care if they put somebody that says they're a Christian in there every now and then. Listen, everything in this world, Satan says, has been handed over to me. I do with it what I want. Everything. Except the church. 
And he has a lot of influence on people that give him time of day that care about the world. So they let him in so they can be his workers in church. But you've got to understand, the hard thing is all about being persistent. There was another time when there was a dead child that needed to be brought back to life. And very quickly, he sent his servant, Elisha did. And he said, take my staff, put it on the head of the child. And this is what I want you to do. Just wait. If you want to read this, it's in the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. He said, go in there and do that. Well, nothing happened with the child. So he came back and reported. He said, I did what you said. I put that right there. And, I, and I'm sorry I can't stand still today. I'm sorry. It just is too, it's too thick. I can't stand still. So I want to tell you, that was not good enough for Elisha, the persistent one, the one that received his double portion. He said, well, I'm going myself then. He went up. He prayed. Laid on the child. Went back down. Nothing happened, you see. He didn't say, well, I guess it's God's will. We hear that a lot, don't we? I guess it was God's will. Sometimes it is. But most of the time, I am now convinced, this week more than ever, that it's just a lack of faith and persistence. So The Bible says he went back downstairs. Went back upstairs. He did it again. And the Bible says that the child, when he laid on top of the child, his nose and his mouth right there, that the flesh was warm the first time, but the second time he did it, the, the Bible says the child sneezed seven times, and then everybody knew that it was real and it was right. And the problem we have here, folks, See, I couldn't have done that if the Holy Ghost wasn't in here. I, it would have failed. I mean, I'm clumsy. So, the problem is we have a world, a world that is starving. And I'm talking to all of y'all today. We have a world that is not really in a true relationship with the Lord. We have a majority, I will say that, we have a majority that is not in a true relationship. What is that, Opie? A true relationship is that nothing in this life influences you anymore. It doesn't make your heart flutter like hearing the name of Jesus and singing His praises or hearing worship music in your car. Nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, tickles your fancy but what God has. And you just do what the disciples, you leave it all and you follow him. And I know technically you may not walk away from your home or job or all that. But I want you to understand this. A relationship is a person that just like when he was given this double portion, it was obvious to those 50 men on the other side. They knew that the Lord was on that man and in that man. And I'm telling you, when you are in a, uh, a real life relationship with Jesus, then you look like a fanatic because you don't even care about things your family cares about. 
you don't, you don't put any ranking on it. The only thing you are is heavenly minded. You, you understand, I'm left here to do a work, but I don't care about my stuff. I don't care about anything like I care about Jesus. And it's obvious. That's what a relationship is. Okay, in closing, I'm going to tell you the problem here and you. Most people are in a relationship, not a relationship. A relationship tells you you can do all the things that look Christian-y and churchy. You can do all those. But you can still, and it's not worded like, but you can still be carnally minded. That means... You are still in all this stuff. I mean, it's got you too. It's got you too. But you're a Christian though. And you vote Republican. So that makes it all right. See, all that mess, political mess, all of that mess, that's religionship. Are you telling me, telling me I'm not a Christian? I'm telling you what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. And I'm telling you straight out of the pages of this book right here, that's what I'm telling you. It's a hard saying. He was told that. It's a hard saying today. That was a hard thing. Back when Jesus told the people that he had fed, people walking with him, he said, unless you drink my blood. He was talking relationship, folks. He said, unless you eat my body. He, he meant unless you have Holy Spiritual communion every day, if, if I'm not the air you breathe, if I'm not what keeps your spirit alive and full of joy, he said, listen, unless you do this, you can't be my disciple. You know what they said? This is a hard saying. And a lot of his followers didn't follow him anymore. Read it for yourself out of, um, I believe it's John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 60. I don't have it, but I think if my mind serves me correctly. And I want to pray. And I know some of you want me to pray and hush. But can I tell you, I haven't been talking to you at all today. The Spirit of God's been talking to you. It makes you sweat. It makes you mad. But it's so much easier to put it on the face of a person than it is to say, God, you're dealing with me. That man don't even know. And can I just do this? Derek, do you remember that thumbnail I sent you about the devotion this morning? Can, do you, did I put that in there? It, it's, a, it's just a little screenshot of a morning scripture. Uh, that I had received in a text. Now, I want you to listen to this scripture. It says, not only this, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, uh, proven character and proven character hope. Folks, listen to me. Wanda sends us a, shares a devotion with us every day, and that's scripture art. That was this morning. This morning, I said, God, hallelujah. 
the Lord is confirming over it, and he doesn't have to do this. But God is helping me to understand I got a job to do. Their souls depending on my faithfulness to the preaching of the Word of God and watching and telling people, hey, it's closer right now than we could have ever imagined. And in, in, in real closing this time, I had a video when we were playing. I don't know how many of you have been able to watch the Wednesday night services, but the Lord's just laid on me. We've been coming across some music that Pat was involved in. And this is uh, his family's first day without him, and I know others are going through this too. I go through it at Mother's Day. But I just, uh, I, I know God had his hand on Pat, and he was anointed when he spoke and when he sang. And so I've been going through a couple of songs, but there's one I didn't pull. And it was in 2016, right after we had... Uh, Pat had started getting involved in the music here. And he went on and on. Now, this is four years ago. But he, and I, I, I may share it if we can prepare it uh, before Wednesday. But he was talking about the return of the Lord. That was four years ago. And it looked bad then, but it didn't look nothing like it looks now. And so I want to tell you, Right now, that, in fact, will you just close your eyes? God, you're just trying to get us home, Lord. And the devil's trying his best, Lord. He's trying to thin down the remnant. But God, in the name of Jesus, I'll speak it. Lord, if people get mad, I'll do it. You died for me. I owe that to you. And God, you have told me this week that if people are, are really saved and on their way, they're going to want to stand when it's time to worship you. They're going to want to pray. They're going to want to walk away from the world. And I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you do something? Lord, would you touch every heart right now? help people to see that you don't want us God you love us so much you don't want us affected at all Lord by any part of this world you want the bride to be so obvious Lord like the 50 men saw Elisha you want this world God to see the bride of Christ the rebellious world to see us and know. Hallelujah. Something's not right with me. I just heard about this miracle. I heard about this person that's been known for sin their whole. I want the bride to be so obvious in these closing moments. So God, would you help us? Help us to be hungry, Lord. And help us to be persistent and not give up, not stop, but be so focused, Lord, that whether it's all of us together in here or at our homes on our own, that the power of the Holy Ghost is going to fall so strong and penetrate our lives and our souls that we're never going to be the same. And there will be results that we've never imagined. God, all you do, I'm going to give you praise.
in the holy name of Jesus.